What's up, everybody? This is Paula Phelps, and you are listening to On a Positive Note, where I sit down with a songwriter, recording artist, or music insider to learn how music can lift our spirits and heal our hearts. Growing up, most of us dreamed of being able to meet our favorite musicians. But this week's guest has taken it one step farther. David Fishoff is a legendary music producer and founder of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, which invites everyday people to play alongside world-renowned rock stars. David has seen firsthand the incredible power of music and how it transforms people, just like you and me, both in their personal lives and their professional aspirations. His amazing story is told in the new documentary, Rock Camp, available now on Amazon, as well as in the book by the same name. Today, he's here to tell us more about how Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp began and how he has seen music change the lives of hundreds of people along the way. Let's take a listen. David, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really looking forward to it. I am so honored that you are taking the time to sit down with me. You know, you've created something that has become legendary. And so can you talk about, first of all, how the whole idea to do a rock and roll fantasy camp began? Well, it began when I was producing Ringo's tour. I created Ringo's All-Star Band in 89. And after four shows, you know, people told me it was never going to work. <laughs> uh, you cannot get all these superstars on one band touring for 30 shows. You know, it's great. You can do a one night uh, live aid. You can do a benefit concert. But to get people, all these bands to become one band, leaders of all these bands, it's never going to work. And I just, you know, I love when people tell me something can't happen and I just love to do it. And I, <laughs> I, put, it, I put it together. And after the fourth show, all the musicians knew, you know, the, all the fear. They all heard that it was never going to work. So I was having uh, dinner with the president of Radio City Music Hall because Ringo said to me, I want to play Radio City. So I said, great. So I invited the guy to come see the show and we're having dinner. And all of a sudden backstage, Clarence Clemens, the late Clarence Clemens walks by my table and he says, Fishoff, I'm out of here. I said, what are you talking about? You know, he said, this thing's not going to work. Too much fighting. <laughs> so a second later, I turned to the other side and there's Nils Lofgren. And he says, I'm out of here too, Fishoff. This thing's not going to work. Now, you have to understand, as a promoter, I mortgaged my townhouse in Manhattan to make this tour happen. So you're and, feeling a little pressure at this point. Yeah, a little pressure. Yeah, I was, I, I, the first visual came to me was I saw my townhouse going down the Hudson River. <laughs> and so I said, what's the problem? And they said, well, you know, this Joe Walsh and Levon Helm are fighting and they're fighting over songs. And, you know, you better go in there and break it up. So the first thing I do is I'm going to go look for Ringo because, you know, these guys are 10 years older than me. You know, he can talk their language and. And he can probably knock some sense into him. I can't find him. He's nowhere to be found. And to this day, I didn't. I forgot to ever ask him where he went. But I go down to the dressing room and the security guard says, you better go in there. And I see, I walk in, I open, they open the door. And there's Joe Walsh with a knife and blood on his hands. And there's Levon Helm with a glass bottle screaming at each other. And you F and this and you, oh, they were crazy. You ruined my song. And, and I walk in like, are you guys a bunch of babies? And you can see in the documentary, I'm scared. I'm literally scared. And then they push me and they throw blood at me. And then they both turned around and they stuck their tongues out at me. And Jim Keltner, the, the great drummer, you know, he filmed the whole thing. And it's so funny because when you see the video in the movie, it's amazing. Dr. John is there, Rick Danko, Billy Preston, all those superstars in that first Ringo tour. So while my heart was was beating heavy, I realized later that night, I said, you know, these people are having a lot of fun. And I kept seeing how much fun we had on tour. And I said, boy, if I could give this to the fan, 
if I could give this to the fan that they could hang with these rockers and they were writing music, they were getting creative. There was so much peace and love, as Ringo says, because they just wanted to be, you know, like Joe Walsh said, we have a democratic band, whatever Ringo tells us we do. <laughs> that <laughs> democratic dictatorship, right? Yeah, exactly. And it was just seeing, seeing that vibe. And I kept saying, I, I even told Ringo, I said, boy, if we could find a guy with a private plane that could just fly us around, you know, let him hang with us. I just, I try to find every reason to give people this experience because everyone kept thinking there's fighting and there's never work. And, you know, that's how I created the idea of a rock and roll fantasy camp. I wanted to give people this experience to hang with these rock stars and just see how remarkable they are. And, and you know, they've gotten a lot, many of them got bad names and, you know, people think they're wild and, they're, and they were. I mean, five guys of that tour went to rehab, right. but not in front of me, not in front of me. <laughs> not they on were, your dime. <laughs> yeah, they were so well behaved and, you know, and, and Ringo too, they were well behaved. And, and but, you know, what they did in the background, I, you know, so it was amazing. That's how I came up with the idea of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Well, what is it that made you think, I need to give this to the regular fan? Because as musicians, they appreciate the fan, they they need the fan, but you had that insight of, gosh, I should bring them into this. So as a producer, my entire career, it's always been about the fan. And whether I created a, a baseball camp for for kids years ago with Lou Pinello, the Yankees, or I would produce the Happy Together tour. I came up with this idea to put these four bands together. I always insisted that these bands play only hit songs because I hate to go to a show and see when the, when the artist says, oh, I want to play this, this deep cut from my new album. And I go, oh, I, you know, I call it the bathroom cut. You know, that's what everybody wants. <laughs> I want to hear the hits. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer that if you go to a show and it's a two-hour show. And if you think of anything else but that show, and you're thinking about my issues and my problems, my relationships, my work, then the artist has not done a great job. And so I was thinking how the fan is thinking. And I wish more artists would think that, you know, but I know they want to promote their new albums and their new, you know, but I'm always thinking about the fan. You created this experience. Did you have the expectation or the dream that it would ever become as big as it has? No, I thought it was a one-off. And really? Yeah, yeah, totally a one-off. I did it for fun. I do a one-off. I'm never doing this thing again. And I tell you what changed. I did the one, one, lost money, and then I didn't do it again. But every day I would get an email. When are you doing rock and roll fans again? When are you doing it again? When are you doing it again? And then I was at this Polestar convention, and Polestar is our industry, yeah. and they were playing a game with Sammy Hager, Tommy Lee, and Tommy Shaw, and they were playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I'm sitting there. It's like a fun thing because it's it's for promoters and it's for it's for different promoters and it's for it's for promoters and managers and agents to come together and talk to the music industry. So one night they were having fun, and the host asked the question, "Who created Rock and Roll Fantasy Scam? David Bowie, David Byrne, David Fisher?" And Sammy Hager yelled out, "David Fisher!" And I was walking out of the the room and I saw Bon Jovi and he's hanging out by the bar and and he walked turns to me. He says, "Fisher, they're just talking about you." And I said, what? And then they told me what happened. And I said, wow, if these guys remember it, let me do it again. And I, I decided to do it again four years later. And I called Brett Michaels. I called George Thorogood. I just called everybody that I met backstage at a Ringo show or I knew. And I said, hey, would you do this again? And they responded, yes. So I did another one in Los Angeles to make some noise. And then I went over to England to see Roger Daltrey because, you know, we were friends. He did my British Rock Symphony and 
we had developed a friendship and I, and I said, Roger, can I come over and see you? So I went over to see him and we're sitting at dinner and, and he says to me, what's going on? I said, you know, Roger, I came over to see you because I wanted to, you know, turn you on to my, my rock camp. And I wanted to know if you would do my rock and roll fantasy camp. And he said, oh, no, you should you should use. I try to do his impression. I'm not good at it. He <laughs> said, you should do the Thompson twins. And, you know, you should do Boy George. And, you know, the whole night he kept stalling me, stalling me, stalling me. Finally, after two hours, that's what he said to me. And I said, Roger, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, in, in England, the word camp is campy. And, you know, you should use your village people. <laughs> you know? Oh, completely different interpretation. Yeah, totally different. I said, I grew up and my parents sent me to camp. And and it's really a place where you can go meet your idols. And, okay, let me ask you this, Roger. If you had an opportunity to meet your idol, who would it be? And he said, turned to me, he says, you introduced me to Levon Helm. I'll come do your camp. And I, wow. So I knew I had that in the back pocket because Levon had just toured with me with Ringo. And I was working <laughs> together with him. And and he was a great guy. And I said, OK, let me find out. And I went back and I called Levon. And I said, Levon, I need a favor. Anything you want, David. He says, what do you want? He says, I need you to come and meet Roger Daltrey at the bottom line. And he wants to meet you from the who and da, da, da. And I'm doing this camp. So Levon said yes. And he came to, and Roger came. Roger came and did the camp and he stayed for three days. I also I asked to come for a few hours. He comes one day. He enjoys it so much. He turns to me, and says, one of these bands playing their final show. I said, you know, tomorrow night at the bottom line. He said, I want to sing with each one of them. I mean, that's how generous he is. That is amazing. And it was his idea. And he got up there and and he sang with each band. And then I realized that so much publicity came out of it. And that's why I decided to do another one and do another one. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this into a full-time gig because I don't want to go on the road anymore. I, I had enough of the road. Yeah. You know, I've done it my whole life and really I got married again and have two kids and I want to be there to do their homework. So that's the start of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp now. And it, it seems like the musicians get as much out of it as the fans. But that's what I wanted to share with you. When you said to me, did I ever think it would be a success? The reason it's kept so long is because of exactly what you said. The rockers get as much out of it as the attendees. So for them, as you'll see in the documentary, it, you know, it reminds them what it was like when they first started. And, you know, Nancy Wilson, I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, David, she said, you know, when we first started our career, it was about becoming a star, becoming a star. And then once we reached stardom, we got our hit records. It turned out to be about lawyers, agents, managers, you know, the whole business mm -hmm. side. And your camp is pure music. And it's just so the hardest thing for me is to get rock stars to do this. No question. But once they get them to do it and they come, then they, they come back. Here's what the, the key is. These people are musicians, the campers. They're just like them. And so, you know, to me, I, I'm blown away when Jerry Cantrell walks into camp and sits down and has lunch on the table with someone. I love that. I love when they mingle. And then the friendships. There's no question that every rock star has said to me, my best friends are people that have gone to rock and roll fantasy camp. So the rockers never met these people. You know, when right. I was playing with Ringo. They were always, there was a stage between them. There was always a stage. And then every show I was at, we ran out. We ran out. By the last song, I had to be in my on the seat in, in the van. And we were getting out there to get on the plane, go to the next city. We never met fans. And as much as musicians get out of it, and that's like a bonus for them. But the fans, this is 
truly life-changing. I won't even call them fans. I'll call it the musicians that come no, and participate in the camp. Listen, they're musicians. Joe Perry said a great line. He says to a guy at Foxwoods, he turns to a guy, he says, what do you do? Guy says, I'm a lawyer. And he says, on weekends, I play guitar in my band. And he says to the guy, you know, you're full of crap. He says, uh, you're a musician first. He says, you you do that legal BS to pay for your guitars. You see, yeah, 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 that's me. <laughs> So musicians are musicians. If you're if you're a drummer, you're tapping in your mind all day. If you're a guitar player, you're thinking about that guitar playing all day. And so what has this camp done for people in terms of, gosh, I know that you've got so many different points to hit on. Talk to me about what it has done to transform people's lives, both in their personal life, on the stage. How has it changed people to come and be part of this camp? Well, first of all, when you play with musicians that are better than you, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing. So if you if you want to get better as a musician and then you come to rock camp, you will get better. There's no question about it. But more important, the friendships that have come out of camp is just remarkable that, you know, you can have your best friend every day and gone to school. Now you come to camp and you're in a band for four days and these people are like minded. So you become they become bands. They become friendships. They meet up all the time. Like, you know, Mark Slaughter, he he invited his, his band, said, you know, the invited. They said, we're coming, Mark. We're coming to your show. <laughs> you know, the whole band. And and they came and then Mark stopped the show. And he says, you know, I have my band from Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp here. And they know my songs very well. Let's bring them on stage here. And he told his band, you guys go. And these guys are going to finish the show. And that's amazing. So the fantasy just keeps going and going. I mean, yesterday, you know, we have a camper who's, who, you know, it's got cancer. And the producer of the film, Jeff Rowe, calls me, says, you know, I went to visit this gentleman in, in the hospital and he said camp has kept him alive. He said all his friends at camp just encourage him. You'll get to the next camp. We're coming to visit you. The friendship. Now, now this guy's had friends for life, but right. the musicians, they find such such passion with each other and the stories are endless women they love their husband their husbands tell me you know my wife's the greatest ever and she gave me the greatest gift you know because we guys we we have a pair of brown shoes black shoes and then a pair of sneakers that's it right you know <laughs> and we cheap on ourselves so it's mainly women who buy this and the women say to me my husband comes back he doesn't have road rage anymore he's happy because what camp does it reminds you from your childhood when that first song or something that really made you happy. And then all of a sudden you go through life, you know, and you had no choice. You were a musician in high school or college, and then you have to go find a real job. And you go find this real job and you deal with your daily problems, but the music is really what's pure. And it really brings the happiness. And at camp, we cover so many bases. Number one, we get you on that stage. So how many musicians haven't been ever been on stage before that picked up a guitar? We get you collaborating with your your bands and writing songs. So you can't get enough. The biggest issue I have, I don't have, but these people have is when they leave camp. <laughs> yeah, that'd be hard to walk away from because you've been Very living hard. as you to your point, the fantasy camp. Like you have been living your dream for these four days. Four days. And now it's not four days. It starts from the day you sign up. You know, you get a list of songs and you get Zoom calls and and the bands come together on Zoom in advance. So they come in prepared. And, you know, with Zoom, we come in more prepared. And but the day you leave, you go home. So inevitably, they call, you know, stories from like a guy says, I've been going to therapy for three years. And finally, the therapist says, you want your happiness? Go sign up to Rock and Roll Fans again. The guy says, that's why I came back. (laughs) 
But but one story I do want to share with you that was really it didn't make the film, but and and again, each one of these campers is a story. Mm-hmm. There's no question they're a story. And there's one lady who came to camp and I invited her because she Susan Coleman Foundation. I reached out and I said, send me somebody. And the lady this woman had breast cancer and she's a songwriter and a musician. And she came to camp and I remember she came to the meatloaf camp and I asked her to come back for the, for the interview because she wrote a book after she left camp about how she got better physically and emotionally. And, and she wrote a book called Rocking the Pink and she credits her experience at rock and roll fantasy camp. And I, I said to her, so when you left camp, did you get depressed? What happened? How'd you? She says, no. She says, I swore when I left camp, I'm never going to write another brief again. She was a lawyer. Oh, and wow. I'm going to live like these rock stars. I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to write books because that's really what I want to do. I want to write. And she's her name is Lauren Rowe now. She changed her name because of the cancer. And she's written 14 bestsellers. On, that's um, amazing. Yeah. So I love those kinds of stories. And what are some of the other things that you have seen, how it has helped people change their lives? I've seen it help in business. I heard, you know, I had the owner of Oracle, one of the three owners of Oracle come to my camp and you know, he walks into camp and, you know, he comes with five friends because he can afford it. His wife surprised him and he, you know, goes over to the rock star Bruce Kulik from Kiss and that was his counselor. You know, each band is mentored by a touring rock star. And he says, okay, we want to do this song by the band. And the counselor turns to him and says, okay, excuse me, sir, but I need to teach it to five other people first. And we can't just start playing the song. They got to make sure they do it right. And all of a sudden, after four days, he turns to me and says, you know, he says, I learned team building here. And oh, I my gosh. Yeah. To run my company different. You know, I think the success that you can learn from rock and roll is incredible. I mean, 10 years ago, I wrote a book called Rock Your Business because I really wanted to share how amazing what you can learn from these rock stars. I mean, how many businesses are 50 years old today and are successful? A lot of them went out of business, you know, whether it's Kodak, whether, you know, people. And the only thing that's really maintained over 50 years has been rock and roll and this Rolling Stones. I mean, they're grossing $10 million a night, Kiss a million dollars a night, The Who a million dollars a night. These bands get bigger and bigger. And younger kids want to get into listen to their music. And it's, it's on commercials and so, you know, from rock and roll, you can learn a lot. Number one is being in a band, the collaboration of being in a band, of, of having patience and dealing with people and writing. And it's just the power of music is just so much bigger than you could, you could ever imagine. I know from my sake, if I'm feeling low, I'll put my Spotify on and start my playlist. I'm a different person. You know, I know Tony Robbins said, oh, make a move. You can change. But one lyric can change my Absolutely. mood. Yeah, I have playlists that are designed for certain, for different moods, for different times of my life. And it's how I get through my days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that music is so powerful and and it brings so much happiness. So the fantasy camps continue to go on. You survived the pandemic and it's going on. How are they evolving? What's coming up next? So, you know, the pandemic was scary. Face to face was gone. Face to face, every musician was scared. And I have to say that, you know, I came up with this concept of master classes online with all these superstars, along with my associate Britt Lightning from Vixen. And every night we did 163 master classes, whether it was Alice Cooper, Roger wow. Dolphin, the band Sticks, uh, Scorpions. And we asked campers to come on, donate money, 
you know, buy a ticket. Most of the artists use the money to pay their crew and and for their charities. Roger Daltrey did it for Teenage Cancer America. Everyone did it for a different charity. And it was amazing that every night 30, 40 people would come on. And, you know, these musicians, they were scared. They thought they would never perform ever again. They thought it was over. And so that was one way that we moved during the pandemic. Now doing camps, I just did a great camp in New York and I'm theming it more. So I got a Led Zeppelin style camp coming up. And then, you know, we we opened the women's camp last year, which is a huge success. We did it with Melissa Etheridge and Nancy Wilson, women only. I, we did, It was Brit's idea and to give women an opportunity to come and not worry about some guy trying to do a, you know, feel comfortable. And it was the most successful camp. Why? Because women were just more caring for each other. And, you know, while <laughs> yeah. the final night after four days, you know, people bring their families to the, to the show. And once that band performs, they're all running out to dinner and, and with their family. Hey, you saw me on stage and I performed this and that. At the women's camp, no one left. To see really? The, oh, yeah. It was just so amazing. The camaraderie was just so much. It was my favorite, favorite experience. And I got to watch it from a distance just to see the love and the passion. And and I'm excited about the upcoming camp, you know, to see Lizzie Hale. And who right away, when I when I reached out, yes, I'm in. What can I do? Winona, she said, I'm in. You know, I'm going to create her story. And so it's going to be an incredible camp. David, you are doing so much good for the world by bringing this music out of people, letting them really feel what all it can do for them. What is your hope going forward? I'm hoping with the documentary that while your listeners might not be musicians, I'm hoping that they'll get something out of it. What will they get out of it? That I can do, I want to write an app. I want to write a screenplay. I want to open up a new business. I want to do something new at any age. These people do it through music, but you can do it. And I'm hoping that people will get motivated not to be scared, you know, not to be fearful, to to change your lives in, in, in the midst of their and find the happiness. That's really what it's about, finding your happiness. I cannot think of a better way to wrap this up, David. You are a delight. I love what you've done. I am, As I said, I look forward to seeing what happens next. And thank you again for taking so much time with me today. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I love this. You know, I can't stop talking about, as you see, I talk so much, but it's such a passion of mine to talk about music and happiness. So thanks for having me. That was David Fishoff talking about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. If you'd like to learn more about David and his fantasy camp, check out the Rock Camp book and documentary or follow him on social media. Just visit livehappy.com and click on the On a Positive Note podcast link. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of On a Positive Note and look forward to joining you again next time. So until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.